Well, we've got to part number four of our saga series, and we defined a saga as a long story with an heroic achievement, and we said that this life is a saga, and the heroic achievement was made 2,000 years ago by a man called Jesus Christ, who gave his life for you and for me in an heroic way. Well, last uh, two weeks ago, we talked about being in the waiting period, and, and in those moments in life where nothing seems to happen at all, and life seems bland. What do we do in those moments? Then last week, we talked about what happens when sunny life starts to take off and we get the action in life and where and we talked about God's Holy Spirit and what happens when God's Holy Spirit touches our hearts. Well, today we're going to talk about what happens when life suddenly makes a stop. You know, last Sunday, I, uh, uh, as I do all Sunday afternoons, I was taking a little nap and uh, my phone started to ring um, and I was too tired to answer the phone, so it went to voicemail. Well, about, I don't know, about 20 minutes later, I listened to my voicemail and it was my mother and my mother was frantic and she was crying on the phone. And my first thought was, oh no, my 93-year-old granddad has passed away. That's what I thought immediately. But as we started to tr- listen to the message, and it was a little muffled, couldn't really make sense of it, uh, what, what had happened, an accident happened to my little niece. My little niece is one years old, and, uh, and I shared this story last year with her. When she was born, she had a narrowing of the aortic valve of the heart, and they had to rush her into hospital, and she was moments away from dying. When she was when she was first born, is about two weeks after she was born. So she got uh, taken into St. Child- uh, St. Louis Children's Hospital. She spent about uh, two and a half weeks there. And basically, what they had to do, they had to go through an arm and did a catheterization of the heart and open this valve up so that she could live. So she had this near death experience. Well, last Sunday we get this phone call, and what I discovered was that through the phone call, my brother-in-law had been out in his front yard, and they live out in Missouri. He'd been in his front yard looking after my little niece, London, and she's one years old, and she crawls like crazy. And he turned to to take a weed out of his yard, and he took his eye off her for one moment, and she crawled over to the driveway. And at that moment, as she crawled over to the driveway, my sister in an SUV was backing out of the garage, and she ran over her head. And so my mom calls me. She's like, you guys got to pray. We've got to pray because London's been run over. She was full of blood. They grabbed her, took her to hospital right away. So we prayed. And I know people all around the world started praying for this little girl, London. You know, Monday morning, she walked, well, she didn't walk out of hospital. She was carried out of hospital with a tire mark on one side and all grazes on the other. And that was it. There was no broken bones. There was no internal bleeding, no crushed skull or anything like that. And we were amazed and we were praising and, praising and glorifying God because it, it's a miracle. Twice in a year, this little girl should have died, but she didn't. She's still living. And what I've discovered is that this little girl, I honestly believe God has got big plans for her because she should be dead. But what I've discovered in my life is that God's plans are bigger than our circumstances. And when God has a plan for your life, Uh, There's things that often come into your life that will try to stop you in your tracks. But when God's involved, there's nothing that can stop God. 
And you may have not had a life, a near life death experience, but sometimes I feel like life can be like this. We can be making progress in life. We can start building our lives up, you know, making something of ourselves, increasing in our faith. And then it's like, bam, something in the middle just comes and takes the legs right out of us and tries to stop the progress that is happening in our lives. It's like there's this force that tries to hold us back. I I love those inflatables with like the bungee cords. I don't know if you've ever seen them or been on them, but they're pretty cool and they're a lot of fun. So what you do is basically it's like a bungee race. You've got this bungee cord tied to your back and you run as fast as you can, as far as you can before the bungee pulls you right back. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun and, and, and stuff and you can't really get that far. But I feel life is like that at times. I feel life is like running through this bungee thing and running as fast as you can. Then you get to one point and it's like, bam, you get taken all the way back and life suddenly becomes flat and hard again. And this is exactly what happened to the disciples of Jesus Christ. They'd been through a whole lot in their lives. And suddenly they get to a point in their lives when life is happening for them. They've got momentum in life. They're making progress. Suddenly their life is full. They've got full of energy. They've received the power of the Holy Spirit, and there's nothing stopping these disciples. These disciples, they're going out healing people. They're gathering together in community. Uh, they're, they're, they're studying the Word of God. They're experiencing God. They're seeing lives change miraculously. God is doing wonderful things. See, they discovered in just a short space of time, that life with God is so much better than life without God. That when you come together in community, it's so much more productive than trying to do it life by yourself. They discovered that living, uh, relying on the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit is so much better than being sick. That's what they discovered. They discovered that studying God's Word is so much better than studying all the philosophers and things of this world. And so they got momentum and they got progress. And then suddenly, in the middle of it, life stops. See, we all like it when life's going good, right? We like it when we're doing well in our jobs, when our kids are behaving themselves, uh, our marriages are great, and, you know, we actually, like, go on a date night, and we actually talk to each other instead of, like, look at our phones, you know, all date night. And we love it when, you know, things are going well for us, there's nothing wrong in the house, the yard looks beautiful, you know, the cars are running okay, all our friends are happy. Life is good, and we like life when that happens. But so often, life just comes and stops us right in the middle of life. And suddenly, for these disciples, life came to a halt. And it's like the legs are being taken from them. See, this is what happened. God had been using them in incredible ways. There was a guy who was lame from birth who used to sit outside the temple all day begging for money. And there was a guy called Peter and a guy called John. They were like the spokesmen for the apostles. And they saw him one day and they went up to him and they said, you know, we don't have any silver or gold to give you, but what we give to you, uh, we'll give you what we have. And they said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And this guy who was lame from birth rose up and walked for the first time in his life. He jumped up 
and down. He started dancing and he told everybody what God had done. And so now there's this, there's this crowd of people in Jerusalem who are ecstatic about what God is doing. And the rumors are spreading that God is doing something amazing. And it's often in the middle of when God is doing something amazing that you'll find that life suddenly comes to a halt. And this is what happened for Peter and John. See, there were some religious leaders who were Jewish leaders who didn't like Jesus. And they were very influential in society. And so they got Peter and John and they pulled them to one side and they started telling them off. They started wagging their finger at them and they said, you will not tell anybody about this man, Jesus. You will not heal anybody in the name of Jesus. You will not uh, talk about this Jesus. And they said, if you do, then we will not be responsible for the consequences. See, in the middle of life happening for them, suddenly they came face to face with this opposition. And actually, this opposition grew from not just opposition, but now to persecution. And then there was a man called Stephen, who they got and they stoned him to death. And then they ran a lot of these people outside of, out of Jerusalem into other parts because they started to oppose them and had persecution. But right at the beginning of this opposition, this is what happens. If you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to Acts chapter 4 and verse 16. Acts chapter 4 and verse 16. It said there, the religious leader says, what should we do with these men? Talking about Peter and John. So they asked each other. We can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign and everyone in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back and commanded them never to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about every, everything we have seen and heard. The council of religious leaders then threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. So this is the moment they said, you shall not tell anybody about Jesus again. And often life's like that. Life is going good. And then we get opposition. Actually, maybe for you, you don't get opposition. Maybe something bad doesn't happen in your life. But still, I still think there are times in your life where you are making progress, maybe in your marriage or in your faith or in your career. And something comes and tries to stop that momentum and stop that progress. In fact, even in your life, it could be something that is good. It could be that a new opportunity that you have at work or a new job that maybe now is going to take away time from your family, time away from your church, time away from your friends and relationships. And over time, that new opportunity that you thought was so good now leads you away. Maybe it, it, it's, uh, it, it's something uh, to do with finances. Maybe, uh, you, you know, you get uh, a, a bill in the mail and suddenly you're on cloud nine with your faith and you're believing God for everything. And then you get this bill and then suddenly you come crashing down to earth and it's like your momentum has stopped. 
Maybe for you, it's to do with your kids and everything was great. And, and then suddenly your kids start to rebel a little. And now you are believing God had great things for your kids. And now you're looking and you're thinking, what devil possessed my kids, you know? Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe, you know, things were going great. And now in your marriage, things have turned sour and they're not doing too good. And your focus was on God and your focus was on on, on building a life together and making a godly home. And now it feels like everything has stopped and everything that you believed about God and marriage is now being destroyed in your faith, in your face. See, some things in our lives that oppose us can be harmless, but yet they still oppose us. And I call these things momentum killers. And they come in all shapes and sizes, but their number one purpose is this. Their purpose is to stop the power of God in your life. That's their number one purpose. They may come as a smiley face, or they may come as a dagger trying to take you down. They may come as just some extra hours at work, or they may come uh, 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 in the moment when you realize that you've run over your child. But they are still momentum killers. And you know, in any story in life, any book, any movie, there comes a point when everything is going well in that story, and then suddenly conflict comes. You see, any author or any screenwriter who is any good will always bring some conflict into a story. That's why we go to the movies. That's why we sit on the edge of our seats and we watch a TV show and they leave it on a clickbanger and we can't wait for next week or just the next episode of Netflix, if you're like me, because you can't wait till next week. And then you you keep watching and watching because there's this conflict and it keeps you and it sucks you in. And we love conflict in books and we love conflict in movies. Sometimes we're like, oh, I can't believe that's happening to that person. It's like, how are they going? going to react. You know, everything seems so wonderful. And we just want a happy ending. So we watch the movie, we watch the show, we read the book to see how they overcame conflict. And we love it in books and movies, but we always question it when it happens in our lives. This is often what happens when conflict comes to our lives. First thing we do is we're like, God, why? Why did you allow this in my life? Why did you allow that? It's like, God, where are you in my life? But I've got news for you, conflict is part of life. We live in a fallen world that is full of sin, and conflict is part of that world that we live in. See, conflict is part of the life that you live, and it's part of the life I live. And there will be moments in your life where you will go through seasons that you feel that you did not sign up for. Maybe you go through a season in your marriage, and you're like, I did not sign up for this season. Maybe, you know, you had the joy of children and then your children become teenagers and they start rebelling. You're like, I did not sign up for this. Maybe it's that dream job that you've got and you're like, finally, I got the job that I wanted. And then six months down the road, something happens. You're like, I did not sign up for this stress and this job. Or the house that that you long for, and you got the house, and then suddenly in the middle of it, things start falling apart, pipes start bursting, things start breaking, and you think, I did not sign up for this. But that is part of life because you will go through seasons that you did not sign up for. But I want to tell you this this morning. If you start living 
in the power of the Holy Spirit, like we talked about last week, that we need to receive the power to be empowered to do the work of God in our lives. If you start living in the power of the Holy Spirit, then I believe there will be a dark force that will do whatever it can to stop you doing the work of God, going and telling other people about Jesus, and stop you being who God created you to be. I'm not talking about some Star Wars dark force, like may the force be with you. But what I'm talking about, I'm talking about that there is an enemy to God who is called the devil, and he has a horde of demons, and their number one purpose is to stop the purposes of God in this world because they hate God. And if you start living a life for God, there will come a point in your life when there will be dark forces that will try to come against you and kill your momentum, kill your purpose, crowd out your destiny. You know, two weeks before uh, Easter, I decided or I had planned that I was going to do a fast and I was going to pray about the Easter services, about us going to two services at Generation and just all the things that God had for the rest of this year. And so I often go through times when I'll fast and pray. And then suddenly the day I was about to fast, I got super sick. I got like really sick. And a lot of you had the same sickness as well. It was like that nasty sinus cough cold that lasted for 12 months. I mean, that's what it felt like. And so I got this horrible, horrible sickness that I had no energy to do anything. I had no energy to pray. I couldn't fast because uh, I needed to eat to keep my energy up. And so the two weeks went by and I wasn't able to fast. And it's amazing after those two weeks, I started feeling better again. And I'm not saying this is like some super spiritual thing that happened to me to stop me praying. But often life is like that. You plan to do something And then it's like the forces of this world come against you to stop you doing what God has wanted you to do. And this is exactly what happened to these these disciples. Their goal was to tell everybody about Jesus, but now in the middle of it, people were trying to stop them from telling them. But the amazing thing about the disciples, as flawed and as ill-equipped they were, they completed their task. They did what God had called them to do. In fact, without the apostles, without the disciples, we would not be here today. So the fact is, they had opposition. They had these momentum killers that tried to cut the legs from underneath them to stop them making progress, but yet they overcame them. And so this morning, I want to just quickly look at how they overcame these momentum killers. And the first thing that they did is when they saw the opposition, when they saw the momentum trying to be drained from them, when they saw the progress trying to halt the brick wall ahead of them, they moved towards God instead of moving away from God. Look what it says there in Acts chapter 4, verse 23. It says, As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and the elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth and sea and everything in him. And then they continue to pray. Notice the first thing that they do when they hear of the opposition is they go to God. They move towards God. See, why is it? 
when you go through tragedy in life, the first thing that you do is you cry out to God. The majority of people cry out to God. You hit rock bottom and your people think, God, help me, please. You go through a tragedy and it's like, God, help me, please. This is even what people say. God, if you just help me, then I will live a life that honors you. I will maybe go back to church or I will start doing good deeds. You can hear people saying it. Why do people do that when tragedy comes? I honestly think it's because deep inside the DNA of our soul, we know that there is a God who is bigger than our problems. We know that there is a God who is bigger than all the issues and the opposition and and the situations in our lives. And I believe that. I believe that there is an all-powerful God. So when you sense that life is getting away from you, instead of trying to chase after those things, chasing maybe after your marriage or chasing after your kids, chasing after your finances, chasing after your career, chasing after all the things that may be going wrong with you. Instead of chasing after that, chase after God. Move towards God. See, the difference between people who can overcome these momentum killers and these people who are destroyed by them is the fact that people who overcome move towards God. God. And for your life, when you feel temptation coming along, when you feel that little temptation, that's when you need to move towards God. When you see the friction happening in your household or in your friendships or amongst the people that you love, and and it's not a full-blown problem, but you just sense that friction, that's when you need to move towards God. When you have those feelings of being overwhelmed or maybe those feelings of depression start to creep in and, and it's not paralyzing your life and you're, you're not having an issue and you can continue, but that is the moment that you need to move towards God. See, most people move towards God when they're at the bottom of a barrel. They move towards God when things are all going crazy in their lives. and Life is tough. But these disciples, they decided at the very beginning that they would move towards God when there was just a little bit of opposition. So these disciples, they moved towards God. And as they moved towards God, they asked God for more power. They asked God for more power. Listen to what it says here. Acts chapter 4, 25 to 30. As they started praying, they said to God, they said, You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, Why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this happened here in this very city for Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel all united together against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. In verse 30, they prayed this. They said, God, stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. 
So these disciples, they had been experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. And now opposition comes to them. It feels like momentum is, is taken from their lives. They're, they're, they've hit a brick wall. So they move towards God and they start asking God for more of God. They start asking God for more power. They ask God for more miracles. They ask God for, for more boldness. They, they, they're asking for more and more of God. And what I've discovered in my life is that when you ask God for more of God, he always gives it. See, it's like a little child coming to their daddy. Say, dad, can I get a hug? And a good daddy, how can you resist that? You know, it's like a little girl saying, daddy, please buy me a pony. You know, I mean, most dads are like, okay, how can we make sure get a pony for the little girl? And that's like God. When you say, God, can I have more of you? God just comes and he gives more and more and more of himself. And, and, and it's the amazing thing because when you start to experience the power of the Holy Spirit like these disciples, you start to, to realize that life before, how did you even cope without the Holy Spirit? Now you just want more and more and more of the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what we need to do when opposition comes to our lives. Move towards God and say, God, give me more of you. Give me more power. Give me more, uh, more boldness. Give me greater things. You see, when a force comes against you, the only way to overcome that force is to push a force greater than it is away. So say, for example, you like were pinned back by, I don't know, like, your, your, like something flies at you and you're pinned back by it. The only way that you can get out of it is to have something that is of greater force and push it away. Say, like, I don't know, some wood falls on you, like a tree falls on you, and you can't get up. Now you need something of greater force to pull that over. And the great thing about God is God is the most powerful force this world has ever seen and will ever see. That God is the most powerful being. He is the most awesome, incredible being that you will ever experience, and he is greater than anything this world has to offer. In fact, the Bible tells us, it says that greater is he in God who lives in us than the one who lives in the world. So greater is the force that God who lives in us is the force that is trying to come against you in this world. And when you start to sense that life is strangling you, move to God. And ask for more power. That's what the disciples did. So they moved towards God. They asked for more power. And then they got up from their prayer and they carried on. They carried on. Look at this. It says in verse 31 of Acts chapter 4. After this prayer, the meeting place shook. And they were all filled once again with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. They carried on now with the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, I believe when you pray to God and you ask for more of God, God will give you more of himself. And when God gives you more of himself, now you have more power to be equipped to go and do and be exactly who God wants you to be. You see, the object of the conflict in your life is to stop you moving forward. 
It's to stop your progress. It's to kill your destiny and crowd out your purpose. But I've discovered that consistency is the key when it comes to faith in God. And if you carry on and keep going, eventually that consistency will build faith in your life. And it's that faith that will come and it will help you overcome what's coming against you. So these disciples overcame. And I tell you this morning, don't be shocked when conflict comes into your life. For this saga of life is filled with conflict. It's filled with opposition. It's filled with things that will stop you moving forward in your relationship and faith in God. It's full of things that will try to destroy your marriage and just try to destroy your kids, try to destroy your life. But this is one thing that history has told us. That when conflict comes, it's often the catalyst to go into the next level. When conflict comes in your career, when conflict comes in your marriage, when conflict comes raising your kids, when conflict comes in your finances, when conflict comes in your faith, and maybe you're doubting your faith, it's through that that God often, often uses that as a catalyst to go to another level. And next week we'll be talking about that and what happened with the disciples. But don't shrink back when obstacles come. Instead, move towards God. Turn to God. Ask for more power. And then carry on and watch how God will shape and mold your life into something beautiful in this saga of life. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. And as you do that, I'm going to ask the band to come back. As the band come back this morning, I want you to be honest with yourself this morning. I want you to ask yourself a question. A personal question. And the question is this. What in my life right now has the potential to be a momentum killer? What in my life right now has the potential to destroy the progress that God wants to make in my life? What in my life right now has the potential to stifle the Holy Spirit and the power of God? For some of you, it's hands down your career. Your career has taken number one place in your life. And it's hurt your kids, hurt your family, hurt your faith. Nothing wrong with a career. But life was never meant to be lived just for a career. For some of you this morning, it's just a little conflict in your marriage. It's just a few little spats, a few little arguments. You're now not connecting what you used to connect. But it has the potential to blow up in your face. Maybe for some of you, it's a new boyfriend or girlfriend. A new partner. A new love in your life. That maybe isn't who God designed for your life. And you can see them leading you away. 
You know, maybe it's just the activities that go on in your kid's life and now your life is all about your kids and not about you and you can see that the purposes of God have taken a back seat to the activities of your kids. I don't know what it could be in your life today, but I know in each and every one of us, there is something in our lives that has the potential to stop the progress that God wants to do in our lives. And just as you think through that question this morning, we're going to pray and we're going to ask God. We're going to move towards God. We're going to ask God with more power. And then we're going to walk out of this place, carry on, carrying it on and believing that God's going to do bigger and greater things. So as I pray this morning, I want you to hold on to that one thing that you know has the potential. to stop the momentum in your life and the things that God wants to do.